everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode will be discussing, I know you've all been waiting for it, Army of Darkness. And a movie clearly influenced by Evil Dead 2, Waxworks 2 Lost in Time. I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. I, I think my preferred name at this point is Damn Dude. Apparently. But, you know, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you, you guys won't know what we're talking about, but for some reason, when I answered the phone, it said his phone number, where it was coming from, and Damn Dude... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently his phone thinks my name is Dan Dude, and I think that's pretty cool, so I'm just going to stick with it. I wonder if it came up and I put in, like, contacts and whatever, like that day that we had so much trouble communicating to each other during the storm, and I, I typed Dan Dude or whatever, because I put Dude after everything, apparently. <clears throat> All right. Which do you want to start off with? Uh, let's go with Waxwork. Okay, so Waxworks 2. Is interesting because I feel like the budget was a little bit higher than the first movie, and they they wanted to put this in theaters, but clearly by the time it came around, it was it was the company was no longer viable and went straight to video because they shot a fucking rap video for it, and I mean it's cheap, but that's not something you usually do for a direct video movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I guess we'll just start off with the elephant in the room. It's basically, like, they saw the Evil Dead 2 and it's like, let's just do that. Like, it has Bruce Campbell in it. There's a severed hand um, that goes around with its own free will. Yeah, wacky kitchen shenanigans. Yeah, so you're traveling through time. Or, no, no, that, actually, yeah, that did happen at the very end of Evil Dead 2. But still, like, yeah, it, it just takes pretty much almost everything from it except for the evil book thing that's not really a thing that happens but still yeah it's it's such a strange thing because i wonder if i mean because bruce campbell's hired for this and i know he needed work at this time but at the same time do you think that he was miffed or it was a love letter i mean i'm just surprised it's never been talked about i've I read his biography about the making of this and, and nothing there's nothing in the commentary track as far as i know uh it's just it's so strange because yeah it's it's flat out just there for the first half hour and then um, so in the first movie, they're just jumping into the actual waxworks themselves. It's like they go into the, uh, across the rope and that's like an alternate dimension. And so you end up like in a scene from a movie based on whatever that waxworks was. Well, this one's different because this one is literally jumping through different time dimensions and those are movie influenced. Right. It's not that it's. Yeah, it, it is not that they're going to a specific movie. They're going to a specific part in time. And I don't really know why they went with that angle, but, um, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's 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 never boring. It's very strange, and it's got some really... It's more wacky than the first one by a long shot. I love this. Oh, yeah. I love this at the time it came out because I had just seen... Uh, Army of Darkness, and I was in the mood for that wacky shenanigans, gore, you know, all sorts of just uh, goofball behavior. And it's like, so you have, uh, you have like, I think a Mr. Jekyll and Hyde, you have Frankenstein, you have disco zombies, uh, sword, sword. That's the weirdest thing is you go through all these adventures, and for some reason, the last half hour of the movie stops, like just dead stops, yeah. for like a sword and sorcery thing. And you're like, that's odd, because we were kind of having fun just jumping from movie to movie for that was like, you know, five, ten minutes long. And I think that's what drags the movie down, because that last story just really isn't that interesting. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And that's kind of the same problem that uh, Multiverse of Madness, the, the Doctor Strange movie, had, too. 
Yeah. Where it's like they, they go through a couple of different places and then they just stick with the last one for the rest of the movie and it just gets kind of boring at the end. But Yeah, I just um, the, the point of the first movie was sacrificing enough innocent lives in these dimensions or whatever you want to call them in order to open up the portal completely and that all that evil can come out to take over the world. So, I mean, that whole thing, that whole mythology is almost completely thrown away. Yeah. I, I, what was the... I'm trying to remember. What, what really was the... Oh, yeah, another thing I want to mention about it is it also takes a lot of inspiration. Actually, I don't even know what it takes inspiration from, but uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, because it does kind of have that uh, doofy sort of, like, main character uh, traveling through time as just, like, you know, how does a modern person react to this type of thing? Right. Stuff? Yeah, it, it, it has to have been some sort of influence because that was uh, two years before this, maybe three years before this, yeah. and that made a shit ton of money. It, it feels like something that was just like, well, we're going out of business. What's the last thing we have on our slate? Well, this movie made us a lot of money. The first Waxworks, for I think a, it was a $2 million movie, it made like $15, 20000000 million on video alone. So if you're desperate for a hit to keep your studio alive, what are you going to go with? Probably your biggest hit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this was still fairly popular video. It is entertaining, but a lot of the logic and the world that they built in the first movie is almost completely thrown away. Kind of like the way they did with um, uh, Warlock, where it feels like a lot of what you... You spent, you spent so much time in the first movie building this world, and all of a sudden the second movie is just kind of like, ah, oh, fuck it, we're just gonna, we're doing like an anthology movie with a warlock, you know? It's, uh... Yeah, can, can I do a brief tangent on Warlock? Because I just watched the first one again recently. Uh-huh. Uh, why didn't... Okay, so like the thing is, if he grants three wishes, he brings about like the end of mankind or whatever. But he kept granting wishes to just random people on the street that would kill them instantly. Why didn't he just take like someone who's very poor and desperate and would do the three wishes immediately just for like food and shelter? Yeah, I, I tangent over. It doesn't matter. It's a movie. But yeah, we're talking about the second one, right? Armageddon. No, no, the first one. Really, I thought like the that. wishes were in the second one. Okay. And sometimes they get Warlock and Wishmaster confused, and that's another franchise. That oh, every... I'm thinking of Wishmaster. Okay. Time. Um, Wishmaster is another one of those where every entry in it just like kind of threw away whatever happened in the last movie. I kind of like it. I know it's hard in horror movies because you kill off the guy and you got to work your way out of it. But sometimes it's kind of fun. Like the mythology they built with the Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, they had to work in the rules that they they set up. Whereas a lot of these just feels like, ah, let's throw it all in the trash. Who cares? Oh, his cell somehow survived the the blast and he was able to put himself back together and yeah. that's how we the exact same villain from last time yeah the child's play <laughs> oh. um, I think the yeah. highlight of course of this is Bruce Campbell just it's only a 10 minute scene it's a parody of the old movie Haunting and it's very short yeah uh, and, and oh when he's on the fucking torture rack with his chest torn open or whatever but he's like seems to be somewhat okay <laughs> <laughs> and they just keep throwing shit at him <laughs> oh. um not much to say about this. There's like loaded with cameos, just like in the first movie. Um, David Carradine probably being like the most well known of all the cameos, but at the same time, one of the most useless. Like, he's just like in it for five minutes, just as a oh, I'm a sword and sorcery guy who's gonna guide you on your way. That's it. He, he literally introduced him sitting on the ground and he doesn't even get up, so like it's they it didn't do much with it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so let's talk about the big dog. Yep, uh, last Sunday. 
Last Sunday, 30 years ago, I went to the movie theater with my sister, a friend, and one of her friends, and none of us were old enough to see it, except for my uh, Aaron. Aaron looked just enough possibly to be my brother, but I decided to overreach and say we were all related. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see the skepticism of the guy at the ticket booth. He goes, you're all family? And I go, yeah. And then um, just so happened my mom was getting, she's the one who drove us because it was in a whole other city. And she was going to go over to see uh, family and whatever. She saw that we were having trouble, whatever. She got out of the car, whatever, came up to the ticket booth. She goes, I'm their, I'm their mother. I'll give her permission. He's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Very empty theater. And this is only two days after it came out. To be fair, though, it was, I think, the very first showing, which was noon or one on a Sunday, of course, in Indiana. No, you know, it's a very religious you know, place, whatever, so you're not going to see horror movies right after church, usually. I mean, but, like, what's more holy than watching a guy blast demons with a shotgun? True, yeah. true. We had this discussion during <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's a, it's actually a religious movie. Um, sure, it's got boobies, but whatever. Um, the Bible has sacrifices, so don't you tell me boobies are worse than sacrificing babies. Uh, yeah. The, um, so yeah, it was kind of an empty theater, and I just had the absolute fucking time of my life. My sister thought it was a riot, my friend Aaron thought it was a riot, my sister's friend goes, that's the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life. Nobody's wrong, though. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah, and I was like, but I had the hots for her, and I was like, nah, I don't like you anymore, because I'm fucking shallow. <laughs> Mind you, I was 16, I think, at the time. Uh, so a 16-year-old me was much more shallow than I am now. But, um, yeah, it was just one of these things where I just couldn't believe how different it was than the previous movies. And, and second one was pretty crazy. But I think what it is uh, is that they were going for, since this time it was actually with a real studio, Universal Studios, that uh, they wanted to make it more mainstream, more audience-friendly. You know, and I still do not understand why this is rated R. There's a shower of blood. That's it. They're really. This is yeah. this is like a fucking like if, if you looked at it twenty years earlier, it'd be a Saturday, Saturday matinee kind of film. Right. I mean, even like in when he puts a shotgun to his his mirror self and and shoots it, it just fly, it just flings him backwards. It doesn't blow his head up or anything. No. Like, and, and his face is fine. It's all just like you know, kind of goopy. But I mean, not goopy. It's like textured or whatever. And I just kept sitting there, just going, "Why is this R?" I mean, even. Yeah. I think they could have even gotten around the Fountain of Blood if they had cut through that. Maybe they wanted it to be R to sell tickets. I mean, but whatever it was, this is one of these movies, I still can't believe they had the chance to release this in the summer of 92. But because of legal issues that they were having with the producer, Dino De Laurentiis, they held on to it or whatever because they didn't give a shit about Army of Darkness. What they wanted were the sequel rights to Silence of the Lambs. And they were holding Army of Darkness hostage in order to get those sequel rights. Interesting. Which is crazy because Hannibal didn't happen until 2001. Yeah. So that mad rush to hold a movie hostage to get the rights and it still took eight years? What? It's just mm, studio bullshit, man. Uh, I was... I, was the Hannibal movie already, like written or was that was that being written at the time like they were going to do sequels and then the original writer 
of like Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs had to make a new one like very quickly, and that's why it took eight years. I'm gonna look right now, see when that book was created, because uh, you know Red Dragon, of course, it existed, and Silence of the Lambs it existed. And I remember when uh, Manhunter got re-released on TV, it was called Red Dragon, and, uh, God, okay, this is, okay, there it is, Hannibal. I was trying to, like, when you look on Wikipedia, there's like 9,000 things on it. It was released yeah. in 99. Yeah, so it wasn't even done. So I'm, just, that's, okay, yeah. that's just confounding. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense, because I was reading some behind the scenes about his, uh, his book, and his book is, like, stupid it was funny he was such a bad writer that the uh the people that were going to like direct the movie had to change his script while he was writing the book oh okay the um funny so i can't remember the movie it's it has john lithgow and he has split personalities it's the brian de palma movie that's what took uh army of darkness's place because raising cane that's it have you seen raising cane uh i tried i watched about half of it okay that does not in any way feel like a summer movie. Army of Darkness does, and I just it's like one of the dumbest. But whatever it is, it made it did technically make its money back. It cost a little, or it cost a little bit less than what it made, but it's when it blew up on video, and yeah, I I feel like it took a little while. Like it was huge with my friends. I bought it the second it was available. Um, I think it was Columbia Video Club or whatever. Instead of paying, like, you know, the back then it was like 60 bucks for a VHS tape. I paid, like, 25 Watched it over and over and over and would tell people about it. And they're like, that just sounds stupid. But, I don't know, like, five, six years later is when it finally started to build its audience. And same thing with Evil Dead, too. I feel like those two movies really grew over the 90s. And now it's just, like, required viewing. And when people talk about the greatest horror movies of 19, you know, the 1990s, Army of Darkness is definitely in there. Yeah. And for good reason. I think it also was the the template of superhero movies from then on. Like, um, the the high camp, fun, action, uh, roller coaster, and sort of, uh, and, and like silly, comedic, incompetent main character. Yeah. Like, a lot of those tropes started there. Do you, is this kind of the start of that whole, I keep thinking like, Ash feels like the first protagonist that was kind of a dipshit, but it wasn't a comedy. It wasn't like the jerk or Dumb and Dumber. This is like a whole different world where it's usually a final girl or like a, you know a, a detective or something like that. So no, you got a egotistical buffoon. Yeah, but when it comes uh, to violence, he seems to be able to handle violence very well. Yeah, it's the only thing that he really knows how to do. And, and I, I, if you've ever seen the, the TV series Ash vs. Evil Dead... Yeah, I've seen the uh, first it, it season, can, yeah. It, yeah, it continues that idea that like the only thing that he's at, competent at at all is just killing demons. Everything else in his life is shit. It's so funny because you look at this now, and you would never have guessed this movie was kind of considered like a throwaway flop. It released the last week of February... Because there's been insane amount of comic books based on it. There's the TV show that went three seasons. There has there's been video, video games. games. What's that? There's video games. Yeah, action figures and stuff like that. And it's also interesting because Sam Raimi, I think, owns the rights to the character of Ash. But somebody else owns the rights to the Evil Dead. So whenever they license Evil Dead... I think it's a. I mean, he still has his name on. He still gets executive producer, but he doesn't really have control over it. So that's really strange how that can happen. It's like child's play. 
how you can make a child's play movie, but you can't have Chucky in it. Yeah. I think that's the same thing with Jason, right? Like, you can't make a Jason movie, but you can do a Friday the 13th movie because the guy owns the rights to Jason, but not the title. Oh, I don't know anymore. Yeah. The, 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 who, who controls what property? I know, so it's crazy. I just gave up. Look, the money's... You guys get together. That's where the money is, okay? <laughs> um, do you uh, another, feel like... Another thing, too, that I think yeah. is really good about... Uh, Army of Darkness is sort of the more relatable protagonist, especially in sort of action movies. And I think that a lot of movies really uh, kind of take after that, where you have to create characters that people can more relate to. Like, usually it's just like the, the, the badass action guy who um, just is so competent and so cool, and everyone wants to, like, that's like everyone aspires to be that. But this is like one of the first, like, action movies where it's like I can see myself in his position. Like right. He's just he's like he's like people I know. Well, we're coming through an era um, where we had the hardcore like muscle dudes, you know, Seagal, Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, exactly. and stuff like that. Monosyllabic guys who didn't really talk much and weren't usually funny. And then we also had like in horror movies, they weren't really entertainment machines. We had a few here and there like Monster Squad, where it was you know meant to be a fun time, but. A lot of the horror movies were either meant to truly horrify you or they're like uh, psychological thrillers. This is like just sit back and have a fucking good time. You know, get some beers, get yeah. your friends, and just laugh. It's do you? There's two schools with the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, do you prefer the scary or do you prefer more of the shenanigans of two and three? I don't care, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I like it all. Like, but if, like the ones that I always go back to is Evil Dead Two. That's my favorite. Yeah, the, the, that was a, like the perfect balance of fear and uh, wild wackiness. The first one is almost too brutal for me, especially the remake. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! It's um, very dour. Yeah. The um the TV show though definitely goes heavy like heavy R-rated gore and stuff like that I was actually surprised because I've seen Army of Darkness so much that your body's kind of conditioned your mind's kind of conditioned to what it and all of a sudden you're like oh that's way bloodier than I expected with all the wacky schmacky kind of stuff going on yeah and I think the show also does a pretty good job of like being really entertaining and fun but also having some really good um like legitimately scary scenes on top of that yeah uh what do you prefer too, not too often not like evil dead 2 where like that was pretty it was pretty much just like one-to-one -one silly fun and then actually terrifying and kind of switching back and forth yeah Whereas, like the show is a lot more camp fun and then sometimes uh horror do now, the original title of this was called medieval dead and i think makes sense I think naming an Army of Darkness doesn't make any sense because you kind of lose the audience. If you don't know that Army of Darkness is Evil Dead 3, you're not going to go. And I think that's what hurt it a little bit at the box office because if you call it Medieval Dead, at least you have a general sense of what it is. It's set in the old times, you know, sword and sorcery times, and it is a continuation of that franchise. Yeah. But wasn't there, isn't there like some kind of uh, property rights or something that kind of messed that up too because they... They had to instead of showing clips of the second movie, they just read. They redid them. Yeah, that comes down to Dean. Well, it's weird because Dino De Laurentiis. Oh, this is so confusing. Because so Dino De La <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis owns, at least at the time, owned the rights to Evil Dead Two. He released it in theaters, but he produced Part Three. So why not keep the footage from the? That's yeah. That is weird. But maybe actually, I think there were like a couple of clips. That were from Evil Dead 2, but they 
also remade scenes. Yeah, because the girl is I different. Don't... They got Bridget Fonda in it, but then yeah, you're right. There are some scenes like when he's when he's um holding on to the door for dear life of that piece of wood and goes through. That's the same. The car lands, I think, is the same. Yeah, that, that all that's the same. But like him cutting off his hand, that's all new. Yeah. Um. But also the ending has been tweaked a little bit because you remember at the end of part two he stands like a champion, and in the third one, yeah, it just automatically he just oh now I'm a slave. You're like what happened? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like the at the end of Evil Dead Two he kills the dead eye with the shotgun, and then everyone like hails him as their their savior, and that's how that one ends. But this one he he it regains consciousness, and then they wrap a chain around his neck. Yeah. How do you feel yeah. about the now? You have you seen you've seen all the endings, right? Uh, actually, I don't know if I have. Uh, if you explain them, I might remember. Okay, sure. well, there's the one The one that was in theaters is the loud, obnoxious one where he's in S-Smart or whatever, and he takes on a demon, she, you know, and nails or whatever, and then flips the gun and says, Hail to the King, baby, kisses her, and that's it. But in yeah. the original ending, I think the international ending is the one where he uh, gets distracted while taking the sleep stuff, and he sleeps 100 years or something like that too long, and he wakes up in the apocalypse after the evil mm, dead have taken yep, over the I whole that's the ending I prefer, and I wish that they had been successful enough that they could have continued in like a Mad Max way. Yeah, I, I would have been into that too. I don't know. Like, I, I guess it, it is nice that it kind of wraps up because it, it, there is really no fourth one um, unless you count the TV show. Yeah, but, but it's such a long so, distance. Legacy sequel, sometimes you have to like go, oh, well, let's start a little bit from scratch. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think that the S-Mart ending is is better in retrospect now that like now that we it's been 30 years there hasn't been another evil dead movie or at least a sequel to the evil dead yeah. or army of darkness i mean but like at the time definitely that is the better ending if you want a poke a post-apocalyptic adventure with bruce campbell might i suggest mind warp the movie that came out right before army of darkness and it was fangoria's very first production and it's about virus taking over the world and mutants and gore, gore, gore. Bruce Campbell being a badass. Um, have you seen this movie? I have not, but I really want to see this now. Well, guess what? It's our next episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So, I'm excited. <laughs> so, Fangoria produced three movies. And, and yes, their names have been on other movies. But look, let me explain real quick. Fangoria actually put their money, time, and actually produced the movies that we're going to be discussing. Later, they would just license out their name. Uh, like the way National Lampoon did, where they weren't really involved in the production. They just said, hey, you give us like $100,000, you can take the name Fangoria and slap it on the DVD. They produced uh, Mind Warp with Bruce Campbell and Angus Scrim, Children of the Night, which is a vampire movie with Tony Randall, uh, the director of Hellbound, and uh, the Hellraiser Hellbound. Um, and then the third one is Severed Ties, the only one of the Fangoria group I have not seen, which is about like... Uh, mutant limbs that they reattach to people who've lost their arms or legs or something. It's kind of like body parts, but a lot like goopier. Um, so uh, I that's that. I don't know. So that's gonna be the next episode. So that is it for us here. Anything you want to say before we go? Uh, let's see. Let's do a quick recommend. Obviously, Army of Darkness classic, must watch. Uh, <laughs> and maybe the most released movie I've ever seen. There's like 30 different yeah. versions of it on physical media. <laughs> Evil Dead 2 was like that as well. There's yeah, yeah. like, what, 10, 12 different movies? Yeah, I think Army Darkness might beat it by a couple, but yeah, those two movies have yeah. released so many times by, uh, well, most of them were by Anchor Bay. It's like, 
Like, they would have, like, oh, now we have we have the regular edition, we have the international cut, we have the director's cut, we have all of them together, now we have the one in leather-bound uh, Necronomicon, and then we have the screwhead edition when it went back to Universal. <laughs> Damn. And there's a Shout Factory version, and there's a Shout Factory 4K, there's a Shout Factory 10. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> and there's one that's bound in, you know, that's like a bound book that looks like the Necronomicon. Uh, whatever. There's an infinite amount of copies uh, in different versions of it out there. But definitely Army of Darkness. I would, uh, I would probably say, nah, on Waxwork, too. I, I think just, like, the, the last half hour just kind of slows down so much that it's hard to... It's hard to recommend in that way. Yeah, I like it a little bit more, um, but it is not as good as the first one. They're both called classics for a reason because they, they have that almost potential. They have a lot of imagination, yes. a lot of uh, uh, interesting factors going into it. But yeah, for some reason, whatever it is, it just doesn't click. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is our next episode, uh, the Fangoria Films, and uh, that is it. Have a good night.